All right. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hey, great to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing better than the stock market, it seems. That <laughs> Keeps is Keeps zigzagging true. around. Hey, but uh, you're the person I've heard the most say that, you know, this is the only place where shoppers run away from the discounts, right? I mean, this is this seems like an opportunity here if you look at it is a discount, right? Um, let's talk first about the overall market. Where do you see us? Do you see us taking out the lows? Yeah, I actually do, unfortunately. So oh. I am I am I am a long-term bull. I, I okay, have one right. on my desk here. Um, but near term, yeah, things are things are pretty choppy. I think uh, we are in a you know bear market rally here. Um, just looking at some data this morning, you know, the S&P has been below its 200 day uh, moving average for over 100 days now. This is the longest streak since the financial crisis. Um, Yeah. And I think, look, the bear market rally was driven by a few things, right? Q2 was actually better than most people feared. Um, We've had energy prices sort of peak out here, at least in North America. I know in Europe, still a big problem. Um, And that 10-year yield came down a bit from the 3.5 down to 3%. um, And fund managers have really low exposure right now. They have really high cash levels. And I think hedge fund leverage is at the lowest it's been in in five years. So all these factors led to, you know, a bit of a a bear market rally in in July and August. And uh, now it's been three weeks of (laughs) nonstop downside. So yeah, I think I think what we've heard from the Fed is they're going to keep hiking interest rates. They really want to make sure that not only do they stop inflation from going any higher, but they want to bring it down. So I think you're going to get, you know, 75, maybe 50, 50 to 75 base points increase uh, in September. Um, and then probably they're going to, you know, taper a little bit on, on the raising. And then some people are talking about maybe cuts into the end of 2023. But I think you know, rates are going higher. Um, and, you know, we're all having to deal with the the new reality here of just a lot of in- uncertainty in the market. That's true. Of course, the question comes, uh, has inflation truly peaked? And, you know, there's still the battle out there. Um, we've gotten some data to show us of some peaking action. Do you feel inflation's truly peaked? Uh, at least in, in North America, it has. Again, in Europe, you're seeing just like natural gas prices um, and power prices in general continue to just sort of skyrocket. And that's an issue. But at least in North America, we have seen, um, I think we, we have probably seen a peak. Um, you, you see that in you know the agricultural numbers, energy prices, oils come off like quite a bit. I've been very negative on oil for the last couple of months telling people not to chase this trade uh, because I did fear that oil was going to come off. And yeah, I don't always get them right, but this one <laughs> I did. And I stayed away from this trade as a lot of my viewers um, know. Um, but yeah, I think inflation probably probably has, has peaked in North America, I would say. All right. Now, my next question would be, of course, if we're getting kind of this downside move and uh, stocks are at kind of a discount, of course, you're looking at maybe taking out some June lows, but in the long run, what are some stocks that you feel have gotten in such a discount that these are opportunities, especially for the long-term trader? Mm, so overall, my view is, is the stock market, like, you know, look back over a hundred years, your returns seven to 10% if you include dividends, right? Annually. So this U.S. stock market has survived literally every crash, every recession, every world war. 
um, everything you could throw at it. So long-term for, especially for new investors out there, I know that 2022 has been quite a change from 2021. 2021 was, you know, throw a friggin' you know, dart at a board and everything was going up. And 2022 is more like, hey, we're just surviving from a massive party we had last year. And now we're all surviving this hangover. But the reality is the stock market is more typical uh, like what we're seeing this year than what it was last year. And so, um, yeah, you have to really have a long-term view on these things and really do the opposite of what your emotions kind of tell you to do. So last year it felt really good to buy stocks, but in fact, obviously, as we've seen now, not the greatest decision. Um, right now it feels awful to buy stocks, but it's probably the best time to buy stocks. Like dollar cost averaging in, um, not calling right now is exactly the, the perfect spot. Um, but that's what I always recommend is dollar cost averaging. And in terms of finding like really beat up stocks right now, I, that's not really what I do. Um, I like to own really solid companies and dollar cost average into them. So you know, one that I really like right now is a company called Crown Castle Corporation, CCI, um, on the U.S. Stock Exchange, uh, $75 billion market cap company. And why I really like them is they are the largest provider of shared communication infrastructure in the United States. So they own something like 40,000 cell towers and uh, 80,000 root miles of fiber. So basically the idea here is as you and I use more of our cell phone, use more of our internet, use more data, download more video, um, you know, just data usage is just only going up with, with 5G and, and AI and everything that we do. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, more mobile data is up 100x and I don't see this slowing down at all. So this is, this is the theme I really like. And I really like the types of contracts that this company has and how they generate revenue. So they have deals with carriers like AT&T and Verizon. And so in these contracts, they're long-term. So you have visibility on cash flow, and then they also have escalations in them. So as the cost of building these towers and laying down uh, this, this infrastructure increases, they have escalations in these contracts to protect them. Um, and then thirdly, I like it because it's a large cap and it's a lower volatility stock. So I always look at the beta of a stock and see like how much does it go up and down relative to the stock market. And this is about a 0.6. So it should move up and down 40% less. And I like to own these low beta stocks in sort of uncertain times like here. Um, and the stock has outperformed the S&P over the last you know five to 10 years is compounded at about 14%. So a nice, nice steady eddy here uh, on the large cap. Side. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, you know, sometimes uh, the not sexy play can be a play that can make sexy money, really, at the end of the day, because uh, it's been tough to find plays like this, but especially a play that's been going sideways in the market like we've been, uh, not a bad thing to see, right? Oh, I love, the more boring, the better. Making yeah, money definitely. slowly, <laughs> making money slowly is what it's really about. Um, and, and unsexy is actually sexy in the long run. I'd rather compound slowly, um, you know, than you know, get in some of these meme stock situations, which would yeah. be actually pretty funny tomorrow. GameStop's reporting. I just saw that. Um, but yeah, and like the horrible news over the weekend from the CFO of Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, uh, anyways, yeah, I, I I talk a lot about the meme stock stuff and the crypto yeah. stuff and these small caps and, and all that. And, and there is a place to do it in your portfolio if you're interested in it. But I always advocate for using the 80-20 rule. So 80% of your capital should be invested in these sort of Crown Castle Corporation situations, which are large cap, 
you know, compounders, uh, cash flowing, dividend paying, and then go have fun with your the other 20% of your portfolio. But position control is very, 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 very important. Um, so important, especially yeah. when you, once you're dealing with, you know, a, a, sum of, a lump of money, you really got to know how to position size in to be accordingly to your risk. Um, now, last thing I'll ask is uh, if you're looking at us coming back down towards the low, is there any shorts that you would be thinking of? This is oh. something that doesn't get talked about often. Anything no, that you I see coming say- down, downside? I did see a funny tweet this morning. I guess wow. Leonardo DiCaprio has a new girlfriend who's 22 years old, and he's <laughs> he always breaks up with his girlfriends as soon as they turn 25. So people were like, Uh-oh. I want to buy puts on that. And I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> not really something you can trade. But anyways, um, no, I don't really – I'm not a short – I don't short – Um, that's just not, it's not in my repertoire. I'm like a long-term bull. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on the, the short side of things, but I can, I can tell you about a small cap that I do like as well. Um, Let's go. Let's get a little bit of gold. What do you got for us? Okay. I'll tell you. So this is a, this is a conservative small cap company. It's called storage vault SVI on the Toronto stock exchange, 2.3 billion market cap. Um, I've owned this company for, for a few years. Uh, I first highlighted it to my subscribers in November of 2020. It was about 380 a share then. Right now it's around six bucks, but self-storage is like a super un, unsexy business, super conservative, but the returns are really sexy. So they're the largest self-storage company in Canada. They own over 200 locations, about 11 million square feet. Um, it's a very highly fragmented industry. So the top four players in Canada control like 15% of the market, meaning the rest is owned by like mom and pop operators. And so Storage Vault has been rolling up and buying and consolidating the space. And in terms of self-storage versus other REITs, it's actually higher ROI and lower volatility um, sector compared to other REITs over the last 25 years. And so it's just like, it's a great asset to own. And just to put it into perspectives that people can understand, a facility that's about 100,000 square feet uh, only takes three employees to run. And, uh, and so it's very low capital intensity. And so their margins are really high, about 60% net operating, net operating margins. So it's a really amazing business. And it's also recession proof. Like if you look at the self-storage industry in the U.S. and compare it against the REIT index, it's outperformed 11 of the last 14 years, including two recessionary periods in 2008, um, 2009, and 2020. So recession proof is for those who believe we're in a recession. Um, and yeah, it's got big institutional ownership now. It's about, like I said, 2.3 billion market cap, lots of capital available to do further acquisitions. I think they've got access to about 200 million in capital. And um, as things are tough here for these mom and pop operators, because obviously, you know, the cost of capital, the cost of debt is going up. I think it'll be an opportunistic time for them to continue to, to, to acquire. So I like this one a lot. All right. Excellent, Jen. And uh, just to kind of give some viewers some insight, where could they find more of you if they want to go ahead and follow you along? Uh, on Twitter is probably the best spot at GR Dector on Twitter. Um, we've also got a newsletter on Substack. We're the number one free finance newsletter on Substack. So you can check us out there under Grit Capital. And uh, yeah, we also do a live stream on Benzinga every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, myself and Robert Ross. And we just talk about the stock market and what's going on and our takes and um, our stock picks of the week. So Perfect. you can catch me there. 